everybody, and welcome to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me as always is my co-host, Mark. Mark, I like your t-shirt today. How you doing? Yeah, yeah. I've got a Dunder Mifflin, uh, whatever that thing is. Yeah, I like that. Uh, t-shirt going. Yeah, uh, Sir Alan of the Roundtable. Uh, this is Mark over here. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, I'm, I'm doing good. How are you doing, man? Uh, I'm good. You know, it's, it dawned on me today that uh, it's starting to feel a little, it's a little warm here at the end of September, but we're starting to feel a little fallish every now and again, especially in the evenings. And we're getting pretty close to Halloween. So yeah. today's episode's kind of apropos. Yeah, it's timely even. <laughs> That's what I hear. Yeah. Yeah. We need a word for that, a French word. Someone should do a thing with French yeah, they words really should. to mean yeah. that. You'd think they'd have a word by now. It's an old language. Those so. French, they have words for crazy, everything. Crazy, crazy French. blue and stuff. Well, hey, Mark, um, you know, speaking of uh, French uh, and Halloween, I don't know why both, but, you know, speaking of Halloween. Okay. Uh, we're doing episode five from season five today, Halloween Surprise. This is one of them, their bonus episodes where we had a producer's cut. So it was kind of nice to see that again. That was interesting. And it's also interesting. It also, in addition to producer's cut, had deleted scenes. It did. Which have we'll get into scenes. later, of course. Of but course. Absolutely. You don't often see that. No, uh, not always. And, and usually when you do, you don't have a lot of deleted scenes. Right. Yeah. So. Well, Mark, I should also mention that today's episode was directed by Dean Holland, our buddy. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of our most prolific directors here on the, the podcast uh, for this particular show anyway. Uh, this is his 14th of 27 that he directed. Wow. So he's roughly about halfway through this guy. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Mike Schur, uh, you know, executive producer extraordinaire, Mike Schur. Oh, we like uh, him. Yep. He wrote this episode. And this was the 10th of 18 that he ultimately penned. Nice. Yeah. So uh, depending on whether or not you count the 2020 special, of course, which I guess I do. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, absolutely. That was a fun one. So, Well, Mark, how about if we get into our synopsises? Yes. Let's yes. do that. All right. Well, this this was kind of an interesting one because I, I thought I want to make Alan proud of me. So I'm going to split this into as many stories as possible. Whew. And there's there's one that I wasn't sure. It was like a little budding flower, and I wasn't sure if it had the in it. But I said, you know, what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you a story. Okay, I'm gonna take care of you and water you, and maybe you'll blossom into a story. Who knows? For me, I think, and the judges apparently, any number of any number of scenes is probably the correct answer today because you could have gone several ways with this. Excellent. All what, right, what'd you do? I probably did the wrong way, but but here we go. So I had the A story. By the way, usually I list these in order of roughly important yeah me too and, and I, it was all wacky today. it was all wacky today yeah. i'm glad it wasn't just me okay well first so, of all you, you didn't say how many you did no i didn't oh is I'm, this gonna I'm, be a surprise I'm feeling you out okay here we go all right so i i, I did four uh, me too oh i did ding, ding, ding. okay so here's <laughs> here's my a story my a story is entitled ron versus kids battle royale nice when Diane Lewis invites Ron to go trick-or-treating with her and her daughters, he initially declines, but an excited Andy wants to join them and gets Ron to agree. That night, Ron and Andy go trick-or-treating with Diane and daughter Zoe and Ivy, but in the middle of it, Diane gets a call about some sort of vice principal emergency. Uh, fortunately, Andy assures Diane, to her relief, that he and Ron will continue taking the girls trick-or-treating while she deals with this emergency. Unfortunately, Ron's attempts to provide uh, direction and uh, counsel uh, for the young girls goes, let's say poorly. Poorly is a good word. Ruining their Halloween. Aww. Diane leaves Ron an angry voicemail, causing him to reflect that maybe he isn't ready for an entire family. Hmm. 
What will happen? Will Ron apologize to Diane? Will Diane apologize to Ron? Can this be the end for Ron and Diane? Is there some sort of gift Ron can bring for the girls? Stay tuned to find out. Dot, dot, dot. Very nice. I, I, that was also my A story. It'd be okay. interesting to see if we match up all the way through this. Yeah. Uh, for me, I went rock and roll theme again today. Nice. It's a fallback. It's an easy one. Uh, mine's called uh, Cheap Trick or Treat. Oh, nice. Very, go. very nice. Yeah. All right. Now, my B story is uh, entitled, uh, I just kind of phoned this in. I just called it The Future of Bensley. Okay, fair enough. Leslie, with Bestie Anne as support, is viewing houses in preparation for she and Ben to move in together when he returns from D.C. In D.C., Ben announces the campaign he's been working on is complete, and they have won! Yay! April leaves immediately because... Why not? While Jennifer Barkley talks to Ben about what he's doing next and offers him the opportunity to work on another campaign. When Ben relays this to Leslie, he promises that nothing is set in stone. Everything is still preliminary. But Leslie still feels like everything is now kind of topsy turvy. Mm. The future is very uncertain and has no idea what will happen with her and Ben. How will this turn out? Does Leslie end up leasing the house? Will Ben take the job in Florida? Can this be the end for Leslie and Ben? Stick around, podcast viewers. All will be revealed. Dot, dot, dot. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, so for me, that was my D story. But again, oh, it just okay. does not matter yeah, whatsoever. It's wacky. Um, <laughs> again, on my rock and roll theme, I, mine was, should I stay or should I go? Oh, much better. To Florida. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I like that one is much yeah. better than mine. Okay. So we got what I have is my C story entitled, Raising Money for Jerry's Kids. Dad. <laughs> At the scary movie night, parenthesis, CD story below, Leslie talks with Anne regarding Ben's uh, situation, and mm. Anne tries to cheer up Leslie by having them both scare Tom when he comes out of the bathroom. Sounds like a good idea. They do so, but instead they surprise Jerry, apparently causing him to have a mild heart attack while passing an enormous amount of gas. <laughs> now officially deemed a fart attack. Fart attack. Jerry is rushed to the hospital where Anne confidently assures everyone Jerry will be fine. And Jerry is in a good mood, except a bit worried about the medical bills mm. to help out. Jerry Leslie arranges for the parks department to hold a garage sale slash fundraiser to help pay hospital expenses. What will happen? Will Jerry really be okay? What items does the gang bring to the fundraiser? Does Tom come up with any new business ideas? Is Leslie projecting her concerns about the future onto Jerry? What is the deal with Anne's ex-boyfriend boxes? Hang in there, true believers. Only time will tell. Dot, dot, dot. Very nice. Uh, again, in the rock and roll theme, you yeah. know, Heartbreaker, the yeah. great classic song. Yeah. Mine's just called Fartbreaker. Oh, nice. <laughs> what are so you going to do? I, you're going to like it is what you're going to do. That's what you're going to do. All right. So my D story, and this is the one that I, I wanted to water and nurture. So it became a story. And yeah, it's not, yeah. Not I'm quite like a story, but I called it Chris gets psyched, parenthesis, <laughs> or maybe just psycho. Nice. Chris announces to the gang that for Halloween, the city manager's office will be throwing a scary movie night in the courtyard, specifically a screening of the 1986 horror camp classic Death Canoe 4 
murder at Blood Lake. Excited about just receiving a Most Improved Patient award from his therapist, Dr. Richard Nygaard, Chris has become more introspective and has decided to face his fears, so to speak. For Chris, this means attending the scary movie night dressed up as his greatest fear. How will this end up? What is Chris's greatest fear? Why did Dr. Richard Nygaard give Chris his most improved patient award? What does Chris later decide to do to reclaim his identity? Don't touch that dial. Answers will be provided. Dot, dot, dot. Nice job, Mark. Well, I, I have to admit, by the time I got to the fourth story, I was so confused. I forgot I was doing rock and roll songs. <laughs> right. And I actually switched to movie titles. So mine is called Halloween, the night of the Chris. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, so, but it still fits, but you know, I got confused. What are you going to do? I like it. Well, nice job, Mark. Why don't we move into our AKAs really quick and then we'll get into the breakdown. All right. AKAs incoming. Um, <laughs> there are quite a few things that, uh, that just made me crack up. There are against, a lot of great one-liners in this one. Yeah. Um, the, the first ones sequentially that I think I saw was, uh, we may see here in the in the cold open where uh, apparently a lot of stuff happens uh, in Ron's office. He's just sitting there innocently. And then, then Diane comes in and little girls come in and Andy comes in and they're all, <laughs> they're screaming and stuff. And then and everybody leaves. Yeah. And Ron looks right at the camera and says, what in the hell just happened? <laughs> so that, Ditto. Yeah. 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 Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Same AKA. Ding, ding, ding. Nice job. All right. Yeah. What else um, are you going to say about the A story? I know. Um, I also, for some reason, this just cracked me up. Um, you know, Ben's telling the team, hey, congratulations, everybody. We won <laughs> yeah. on account of Congressman yeah. Murray and stuff. Sure. And then Jen says, uh, hey, uh, let me talk to you over here. And what are you going to do next? And Ben goes, uh, I was going to get a chicken parm and watch Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's what she meant. <laughs> no, maybe not. But still, it's pretty funny. So, Mark, for me, uh, same storyline. Mine was um, the point where Leslie is uh, objecting a little bit to Ben's idea of Florida, right? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Well, they have sharks in Florida yep. and swamps yep. and swamp sharks. Yes, they do. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Nice. Um, and I only had one other. So I think I'm ignoring one of the four stories. Yeah, you, but, you're broken today. But, but my, my final one was where. You know, uh, Leslie and Ann have scared poor Jerry and he's having some gastric uh, 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 upset. And I think we did it again. It's and, about to happen. And, and, Go for it. And Tom, and Tom <laughs> comes out of the bathroom into this <laughs> this cloud of yuck that's surrounding everything. And he says, and I quote, oh, geez, did a dinosaur just fart? <laughs> I did a different one. I think it's the next line. He said, seriously, Jerry, did you just eat farts for lunch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they uh, both fit. <laughs> I had to pause it so many times in funny. this episode. Okay, it really was. Yeah, did hey, you have any others? Well, because I did it the right way, Mark. Yeah, yeah, I, I actually came up with a real quick AKA. Okay, uh, Donna, like she's loving this movie. You're like, the, and Chris is not so much. No, but she just goes hashtag hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I just I want that on a shirt. <laughs> so nice job. Hey, let's move into the breakdown and uh, get this show on the road. All right. Well, let's start off with the cold open. A very good place. It's a good to place start. to start. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. I've yeah. heard that. Um, this is, uh, I guess, midsize. It's about sixty-one seconds. I would say it's a uh, plot relevant. Sure. We, we alluded to a little bit of this, I think, in the in, in my AKA. Um, but we're we start out at City Hall. 
it's October 31st. It's Halloween. And Ron is sitting in his office. I think he's doing a crossword puzzle. Maybe it's a maybe it's a spooky crossword puzzle. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> we see Diane Lewis, the woman he's been dating, kind of poke her head in the door. You know what? Let's let's do this right. Hey, Harvey, play our first clip, buddy. Thanks. Hey. Hey. Am I interrupting something important? Impossible. I work for the government. <laughs> Just picked up the girls. Thought we'd stop by. Oh, are the girls? <laughs> yes, they are. Hello, girls. Diane and I have been seeing a lot of each other recently. She is a sharp, confident, strong woman. Her children are loud. Kung Fu! Andy. This is fun. Easy, girls. Well, be careful, Miss Lewis. Andy. I'm sorry. <laughs> we just wanted to invite you to come trick-or-treating tonight. I think I'm a little old. Can we go, Ron, please? Please. Well, you can come, sure. But we have to go buy seven or else the good candy will be gone. Sounds perfect. <laughs> come on, girls. What the hell just happened? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I would feel exactly the same way. Yep, I agree. Uh, that's a great cold open. Well, Mark, from there, we move into the main episode. And once again, we've got Anne assisting Leslie with a major life decision. So big, in fact, it, it deserves its own dance party. <laughs> we are, I'm just going to label this somewhere in Pawnee. I don't, I don't think we know where, but we see a realtor named Martha showing Leslie a house with Anne there for support. It's a pretty house. Bestie. It is a pretty house. Yeah. Um, with Ben coming back from D.C. in 10 days, he and Leslie have decided to move into a house together. As Leslie talks to Anne, it becomes obvious she has been looking forward to Ben coming back home and their lives moving forward for a long time now. Mm. After a little bit more consideration, Leslie finally tells Martha she officially wants to lease the house which Anne decides to punctuate by playing LMFAO's party rock anthem on her phone while she and Leslie kind of do a crazy dance in mm -hmm. celebration. It was terrific. You know why that threw me is because I pronounced that LMFAO. <laughs> is that not the right way to pronounce that? I thought that? that's how you said it. Oh, all right. All right. I'm now on the same page with you again. Good, good, good. Which I guess is the wrong page to be on, apparently. Maybe. Well, Mark, I, I love this scene for a couple of reasons. Did you notice, uh, like, this? it's always the small details. We've talked about this before. They'll throw stuff in. If you blink, you miss it. And somebody spent time, and yet it was a funny gag. Did you see the sign out front? No. So it basically said it was a house, you know, a four lease sign at the top. Mm -hmm. And it had the, this is the name. First of all, the phone number is correct. It's an 812 area code, which Southern Indiana would have. Such which a nerd. I know, yeah, but yeah, I love yeah. You're it. Right. I love You're the right. attention to detail. Martha's the realtor. I think her name's on the bottom of the sign. But the name of the realty company is Eagleton Adjacent Realty. Oh, man. Not Pawnee Realty. That's hitting it a little bit on the nose. I love it. Yeah. That's so good. See, this is the sort of beautiful stuff that Kim Wanup did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep. So. All right. Well, Mark, from there, we move over into the bullpen and Chris arrives and shares an update on his therapy and announces a Halloween celebration for the gang. Yeah, we see uh, the gang. In this case, the gang is Andy, Tom, Jerry and Donna. And I think they're having lunch in the bullpen and a cheerful Chris comes into the bullpen and greets them and tells them two things. A, he is the recipient of the coveted Most Improved Patient Award for his sessions with his therapist, Dr. <laughs> Richard Nygaard. Yep. 
B. In honor of Halloween, the city manager's office will be throwing a scary movie night in the courtyard, specifically a screening of the 1986 horror camp classic Death Canoe 4, Murder at Blood Lake. Chris goes on to mention that his therapist, <clears throat> Dr. Richard Nygaard, has suggested he face his fears instead of running from them, so he's going to come dressed as his greatest fear. Donna, however, is more interested, I think, in attending the scary movie night because, A, apparently Death Canoe 4 is the uh, pinnacle of the Death Canoe series, according to the, the scuttlebutt, Alan. Yep. And B, she's going to, quote, live tweet that bitch. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Mark, you know, you know why. And I know you know personally know why mm. I would not be able to see this movie. Mm. Because I did not see Death Canoes 1 through 3. You're a piece of work. Mark, the other thing I noticed, too, in the script, which we get a hold of to kind of do our breakdowns and stuff. Right. They were going to call this movie Murder at Blood Lake originally. Oh. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Death Canoe 4, so much funnier. Well, yeah. It's the canoe that eats people. Oh, my God. I, I can't wait to see it. I, I really am going to rent those others this weekend. Yeah. Well, at the Barclay Group in D.C., one campaign is wrapping up. And just when Ben thought he was out, they pull him back in. Oh, that's a thing from a movie, I think. That's Godfather 3. Oh, is that what it is? Absolutely. Uh, it's got a new name now. I don't know what he calls it. But well, you know, uh, Godfather 3 is the pinnacle of the Godfather. <laughs> okay. Maybe some people don't think so. Anyway, so <laughs> we see we see Jennifer Barkley with Ben and his team, each of whom appears to be holding a champagne flute. Ben is updating his team with details regarding Congressman Meepmore Murray's uh, re-election <laughs> campaign. They don't call him Meepmore. No, just they a, do not. Um, and how things are going against his opponent, Callaway. Specifically, we got good news. Murray has an 18-point lead. Callaway is out of money. He's stopped campaigning, and he's essentially given up. So yeah. Ben and Jennifer Barkley, woo, they congratulate everybody and said, this is the team effort. We did it. April insists that she was somehow the real hero well, uh, of the group. Uh, when Ben tells April, you know what? You could actually head back to Pawnee early if you want. She, I mean, she's she, gone. She grabs her purse, flies out of the room so fast. She knocks her flute on the floor and <laughs> smashes it and she rushes out of the room. <laughs> it's like Wiley Coyote. Yeah, see ya, Sucktown. Uh, after a little bit more celebration, Jennifer meets Ben in his office where she asks him what he plans on doing next. You know, work-wise. <laughs> I... Uh... It's funny, you know, Ben, um, I think this is where you actually got your AKA. You know, Ben has very small plans for the night. Apparently <laughs> he, he wants his chicken parm and Blade Runner. Yeah. And then Jennifer just kind of looks at him and goes, mm. Mm. oh, oh, you meant like job wise? Yes, yes ben. ben. I meant like job wise, <laughs> you dunce. Oh, my gosh. I love Jennifer Barkley. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> Well, Mark, from there, uh, it, it, meanwhile, it's candy time over at 143 Cedar Crest Drive. And Ron and Diane take the children, you know, Zoe, Ivy, and Andy, mm. trick-or-treating. Yes, yes. The Z, I, and A. Um, so, yeah, it's now Halloween evening slash night. It's candy time, as it's you candy said. Time. It's time yeah. for trick-or-treating, man. And so we got Ron dressed as a pirate, his, his one- Go-to costume, apparently. <sighs> yep. You have. I bet he got into food and stuff. <laughs> I would. I will not take that bet. I think you're right. You got Andy, who's dressed as a policeman, which I think is fitting because he's yeah. trying to be. He a, wants to be a policeman. Be a policeman. Yeah. And they are going from house to house with Diane and her two girls, all three of which are dressed 
like princesses. Hey, Harvey, this is good. Go ahead and play this clip, please. Thanks, man. So you're a princess too, hey? Oh, for the last four years, everything has been princesses. Every book, every movie, every backpack, all princesses all the time. Oh, that sounds fun. It's a nightmare. <laughs> Excuse me, I just have to file a quick report. I'm uh, applying to the police academy soon, and the manual says I have to work on my observation skills, so. Tree, leaves, night, sky, hand, Andy's hand. What else you got? <laughs> 7.22 p.m. I got nobody answering the door at 143 Cedar Crest Drive. Uh, door's cold. Possible scenarios. Grand larceny. Somebody stole the heater. I think no one's home. Why don't you leave the observing to the professionals, Ron? <laughs> oh, oh. Didn't see that. Oh, no. Vice principal emergency. What is it? I have to leave. Some idiot kids were caught pooping on the soccer field. Ooh. Oh, too bad. Guess trick or treating's over. No, mommy, mommy, no. No, we can walk them around. It's no problem. We just got started. Oh, that's so sweet of you. Now, ladies, Princess Mommy has to go and take care of some bad guys. So you be nice to Ron and Andy, okay? Okay. Let's go to the next house. I need to go to the bathroom. Oh. I, I have no idea what to do about that. <laughs> Mark, did, did she say the kids were pooping on the soccer field? You know what I'm thinking? You know what? I think I do. Pachitis. Yep. Yep. Had to be. Yep. No doubt about it. Well, Mark, from there, it's movie night is underway and Death Canoe 4 is sailing. We learned that even ghosts have cash flow issues and Leslie gets a call from Ben. A lot going on in these scenes. There is. So, yeah, we're in the uh, aforementioned City Hall Courtyard. It's now the same evening slash night uh, that we were just at. Uh, and we see the scary movie night is taking place. Donna is very excited about live, it, yeah. live tweeting Death Canoe 4. Um, she apparently, now, Alan, if you had paid attention, she apparently, Donna apparently tweeted, live tweeted the first three uh, Death Canoe movies this morning in preparation. So, see, if you had been paying attention. Oh, my God. I got to. I got to subscribe to her Twitter. Account. I know you would have been caught up and like, I can't watch that. Can you fork it? It's out of order. You'd I'm the sad. biggest dumbass as that girl with her foot in the water. I can't even argue. You know, it's, it's called blood lake. <laughs> blood so lake. Get, get, get your leg out the lake. Um, Chris is sitting next to Donna. Chris is dressed like an older, paunchier version of himself, which I guess that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. It's the biggest fear. <laughs> it's at least one of them. Um, we see Anne, who is dressed as gymnast and Olympic gold medalist Gabby Douglas, walking up to get some popcorn. And then Tom pops up with a sheet <laughs> over his head and yells, boo, and scares her and popcorn goes everywhere. Tom doesn't even have holes cut in the sheet. So as Anne observes, apparently for Halloween, Tom is going as a pile of laundry, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. Well, those are 1,200 thread count sheets, Mark. Holy cow. That's a lot. It's a lot. That's all. It's all the threads. That's all the threads. all the threads are in there. So as Anne, as Anne slash Gabby Douglas uh, returns to her seat, she walks by Leslie, who is apparently dressed as Rosie the Riveter, uh, while she's on the phone with Ben. Ben is telling Leslie slash Rosie the Riveter that apparently Jennifer Barkley wants him to keep working for her, and that there's a businessman in Florida who wants to run for governor. Leslie seems a little bit rattled by this news but well, then swamp sharks the swamp sharks come on but 
then tries to reassure her that swamp sharks aside, nothing's set in stone. Right now, everything's really preliminary and they'll know more in a week or so. And, and you know what? I know Leslie well enough, though. That's perfectly fine. She's going to do great with this. She's not going to worry. She's not going to let it get into her head. Everything. She's fine. not going to obsess. Not at all. Nope, no, nope, nope, nope. No, no. Swamp sharks. <laughs> <laughs> well, back on the candy trail, Andy is in full investigation mode and the girls bring a crisis of sorts to Ron for his, quote, help. Did you see my air quotes there? Help. I saw yeah. them big and yeah. bad. Yeah. yeah. With uh, with mommy princess Diane going to deal with the. Mark, I, I just have to. I forgot to say this in that scene. <laughs> yeah. When she said, you know, she's sick of being a princess. Yeah. It's just funny. Yeah. Xenia warrior princess. Well, yeah, I'd be it, sick of it, too. It's a great throwback. Yeah, so, it really yeah. is. With a uh, mommy warrior princess Diane uh, <laughs> going to deal with the, um, I'm gonna the poopers, the, the mad poopers, yeah, um, the pachytis. <laughs> we don't know that it can't be proved, yeah, but you, sure. you know it's true. It's okay, true. Ron and Andy continue trick or treating with her daughters. Everything is going okay, ish, when all of a sudden the youngest girl Ivy starts yelling about how the oldest girl Zoe broke her tiara. A flustered Ron listens to them both scream at each other, and then he comes up with an idea. Brilliant. Alan, I, I'm almost sure that Ron is channeling King Solomon here, <laughs> who, you know, when forced to decide which of two women was the true mother wow. of a baby, suggested cutting said baby in half, giving sure. each woman one of the... You know, one of the baby halves uh, with the theory being the woman who rejects the idea is the true mother. Ah, so in Solomonesque fashion, Ron takes Zoe's tiara, snaps it in two, proudly stating there. Now, neither of you has a tiara problem solved. And then he smiles like he did something great. Uh This does not go over well with the two girls who no. immediately begin wailing. No, that did not go. Nope. So well. That was a, that was a tactical error that ended about as well as the scene started with Andy. You know, again, he's kind of in his observation. Yeah. Mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. He sees this man and a woman who are handing out candy says 734 PM man dressed as nerd, female dressed as crazy, witch. neither of us is in costume. <laughs> Oops. Sorry. Uh, candy, please. <laughs> Uh, well mark back at the movie donna and chris are having some deep discussions about facing our fears and ann and leslie are lamenting leslie's predicament but ann thinks of a great way to cheer up leslie and uh it's basically going to be a win-win here i think oh death canoe is there anything you can't do (laughs) so yeah we we see the continued screening of death canoe 4 with an excited donna a squeamish chris and Leslie venting to Ann about Ben. Hey, Harvey, go ahead and play this clip too, please. Thanks, buddy. Oh, right in his face. Oh. Sorry about your jaws, son. That's <laughs> disgusting. I can't watch this. Then don't. Go inside. Dr. Richard Nygaard says that I need to confront my fears. And one of my fears is scary movies. Another one of my fears is growing old and paunchy, which is why I'm dressed like this. Look, we all get old. Aging is a part of life. Oh. Mm, okay. <laughs> Chris's therapy has been a blessing. Getting body-to-body contact with him has never been easier. Just when things start to turn around, they fall apart. And now I know exactly how FDR felt after Pearl Harbor. Look, you guys have survived this long. Please don't let this ruin your night. Let's have fun. It's Halloween. You love Halloween. Hey, I know it would cheer you up. Oh. Let's go wait outside the bathroom for Tom 
and scare him. <laughs> that would cheer me up. There they go. Okay. Ready and. No! <laughs> uh -oh. Jerry! God, gross! Oh. Jerry! Guys, I... Oh, God. Oh, I think he might be having a heart attack. What? Are you serious? Oh, so much stuff is happening right now. Call 911. Okay. Just breathe, okay? You're gonna be fine. Oh, jeez. Did a dinosaur just fall? <laughs> Jerry, get a grip. Sorry, guys. Oh, not accepted. Stop talking, moron. I wish I could stop smelling. Dude, seriously, Jerry, did you eat farts for lunch? Ah! Jerry's having a heart attack. Oh, I didn't know that. Jerry, are you okay? <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. I honestly lost track of how many times I had to just pause it and regain composure for fear I would miss something. I was laughing so hard. Yeah. Mark, uh, we had had Mexican the night I was watching this. Oh, dear. And when I was laughing at Jerry farting. Oh, dear. I don't want to tell you what happened. Yeah. It was not good. Yeah. Uh, it's it's, it's kind of like the thing when you see people throw up and then you want to. Is that what it, that is? It's a lot like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't want any part of that. <laughs> Well, Mark, over at Ann Perkins Hospital, yes. Jerry is getting the medical attention he needs. While I think Leslie and Ann might feel a little guilty, and Tom just wants someone to deliver the punchline to his perfect joke. Yeah. <laughs> so I think this is presumably the next day. I feel like it I, is. I want to. I think that Jerry was probably rushed to the hospital, and he seems. K-ish. Like we see Jerry in a hospital bed. He's alive and awake. Yep. We have uh, Dr. Harris, our favorite medical curmudgeon. Cooper and, Thornton. And Anne, our, the great Cooper Thornton. And, uh, and Anne, our favorite nurse, uh, taking care of him. And Leslie and Tom are also present visiting Jerry. Dr. Harris confirms that Jerry did have a mild heart attack. And Anne adds that Jerry's doing well and he's going to be fine and should be out of there in a day or two. In typical Jerry fashion, he has a very positive attitude, expressing gratitude at all the flowers and the balloons and how nice it is that everyone is visiting him and even going so far as to say he's glad this happened. It served as a wake up call and he wants to be with his wife and daughters for a long time. And he briefly mentions the massive hospital bills, of course, which <laughs> which Leslie pounces on saying it's all good. Other than that, <laughs> don't worry, Jerry. OK, you are going to have the future that you've always planned. Just leave it to us. Wow. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see what she comes back with on that. Yeah. yeah. She's taken that very personally for some reason. Well, you know, because she almost killed him. Maybe. Mm. I think maybe her future's in jeopardy, too. Oh, I never thought of that. Dot, dot, dot. Wow. Dot, <laughs> dot, dot. <laughs> Doctor, Tom really just wanted Dr. Cooper to say that Jerry had a fart attack. Oh, yeah. Like he, he, he's just peeling it, the onion, trying to get him just to say, you know, like, hey, you know what happened to Jerry? You know? Um, he, he, he also had the exhibited excessive, excessive flatulence, right? Is there a medical condition for that? You, you know, Alan, for, for old people like us, there was once a game show called Password, oh my. where you tried to get the other person to say the password, but That's you exactly yourself right. could not say the password. Yep. This was a weird, weird game of password <laughs> that Tom was determined to win. Yep. He just wanted him to say fart attack. I know. Oh, my God. Is that asking too much? It really isn't. No. I'm on Tom's side here. Yeah, me too. Well, from the hospital, we head over to Pawnee Central High School, where Leslie's converting her guilt into action uh, or, you know, whatever else is going on in her head anyway. And she's commandeered the school's gym for a fundraiser to help supplement Jerry's terrible health insurance. We, we see... Uh, 
and this is presumably, I'm guessing, the next day after the scene we just saw, because she had I, this to have episode some sort of was time. difficult for me. It was to mercurial. Know, like, what date? Yeah. yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to say screw it. I'm going to say this is the next day after that. I'm with you. <laughs> so Go for it. We see Leslie and several others at at Pawnee Central High School, probably in their gym at cafeteria. It's someplace very, very big, very big room. Anyway. Leslie tells us via talking head that she has arranged a huge garage sale slash fundraiser to address Jerry's medical bills. We then switch over to April and Andy briefly trying to price their own stuff with (laughs) with mixed results. They are a bit surprised when they see Ron sitting at what appears to be an empty table, assuming he's not selling anything. It turns out Ron made the table and is selling it, which seems about right. (laughs) When April asks Ron about, quote, his new lover. Ron admits they are having a rough patch. Apparently, Diane was not pleased with my actions Halloween night and left a very loud message on my cell phone. So, you know, not sure what's going to happen there. Ron further admits to us via talking head that he likes Diane, but he's just not sure if he's ready for a whole family. Yeah. I, one thing I really liked about that scene was Ron, you know, he he usually has these notes that make life so simple, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and here, his his advertisement, if you will, for his, basically his booth, which is the table he's sitting at, is good table, $500. Yeah, and this is, this is classic Ron, too, because it, he holds up a blank sheet of white, <laughs> eight and a half by 11 paper. Yeah. It is 99% blank, yeah. except printed at the top left corner yeah, in, 12 small, point. in small print, <laughs> yeah. we see good table. Five hundred dollars. So, Ron, I know it's Ron task. Because what else do you have to say? Well, I mean, when those amount of words say what you need to say, why say more words? That's right. Don't waste words. No, we're having a word shortage. (laughs) Conserve your words. Uh, Damn it. I wish that were true. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mark, from there, we kind of move over in the same setting to Anne's booth and Chris and Anne are kind of checking in on what she's selling. But I got to be honest, I I was super confused because I think it's supposed to be the next day, Mm. but Leslie has the same clothes on. Mm. Very strange. Like that's why I was so lost in this episode. That's interesting. I just thought it was a continuation of the fundraiser scene. And maybe they shot things out of order. Who knows? Who knows? This this is a weird one. Yeah, it's a weird, but it's a good one. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, we're still at the fundraiser and we kind of, you know, we just were with uh, April and Andy and Ron and we kind of bounce over to Chris, who is walking up to Ann Perkins table. And Anne apparently has several of what she is calling, quote, ex-boyfriend boxes, all representing stuff from different eras of ex-boyfriends. And and Anne gives us a brief talking head where she reminds us how Leslie recently pointed out in one of our prior episodes that when she dates someone, she tends to adopt their personality, ergo the boxes of crap that she used to be into. So, for example, Chris Traeger, exercise phase, Andy Dwyer, grunge phase, and so on. We then see Leslie go up to the microphone where a big banner says, garage sale to benefit Jerry's kids. Dad. Leslie thanks everyone for coming, tells them why they are having the fundraiser, and starts out the auction with an inscribed autobiography from Pawnee newscaster Perd Hapley entitled, The Thing About Me Is, I'm Perd Hapley. <laughs> if Perd was going to write a book, that's what it would be. That titled. is exactly what it would that's be. That's exactly yeah. right. Yep. Yep. Mark, um, you know what dawned on me here? What? So there's a Chris box. There's yeah. an Andy box. Yeah. Whose box is missing? Um, uh, the, the guy, the cowboy guy that she dated. Well, yeah, but he didn't, that wasn't a thing. That was a nothing. How about Brandanowitz? Who? 
<laughs> they could have at least put a question mark on an empty box as an inside joke for us. Yeah. But they didn't even do that. They didn't even have the courtesy. Or they could have just said Blandanowitz. Blandanowitz, Dan Quint, Danaquitz. Yeah. Whatever his name was. The only thing, you know what? I, that's true. The only thing is, if you look closely at her table, she has boxes arranged in a sort of L pattern. Mm. And the camera was looking at one layer of the boxes. The oh. other we couldn't see. That's interesting. But you're right. They didn't show. They did not show it box. per se. Yep. Because they, they had a Chris and Andy, a Tom. That, that's pretty intriguing. It makes you wonder if we had a different camera angle, what we might have seen. Dun, dun, dun. Dumb. Well, Mark, meanwhile, Ben and Jennifer Barkley are in the Sunshine State and aboard, I think, what's uh, the boat called the Class Action and meeting with the hopeful governor. That's good. Yeah. Jennifer Barkley and Ben are on the boat of one Mr. Kurtzwilder yeah. who wants to run for governor of Florida. Hey, let's what do you think? Let's have Harvey play this clip. I like it. Yep. Oh, look at this view. Thank you. Mr. Kurtzwilder, it might be helpful if you told us why you want to be governor of Florida. Well, I guess you could say mine is the classic Florida success story. <laughs> Going to FSU Law School, I was working at a small firm in Orlando, and one day, bam, just like that, Gator eats penis. <laughs> Excuse me? Well, that was my first high-profile yeah. case. It was a classic Florida divorce. Guy Ooh. cheats on his wife with Dan Marino's masseuse. One day, she cuts his junk off, throws it in the Everglades. Why not? Damn alligator ate it. In that case, that case made my career. Wow. What a country. What a state. Florida, a little strange. You know, here, here everyone has a chance to succeed. And now all I want to do is give something back. I want to help all of those people who aren't lucky enough to have a penis-eating alligator fall in their lap. <laughs> what an image. Frankly, your path to victory is narrow. Governor Scott might be vulnerable, but you have very little name recognition. Aren't you supposed to be puffing me up? I'm considering paying you a lot of money to get me to the state house. We're being honest, Mr. Kurtzwilder. It's not going to be easy. But the Barclay Group is the best at what we do. We're not in the business of losing elections. We can get you where you want to go. Mark, I think that's a great example of where in a producer's cut, there's a little more breathing room and a little more color to a scene like that. Yeah. Because in the the standard cut, that's a much shorter scene. Yeah. He doesn't go into the whole thing about, you know, just really wishing he could help other people with penis eating alligators. Right. Which just makes it so much funnier. Yeah. It yeah. really does. I also thought it was interesting how I don't know if they did this on purpose. I mean, the characters in, in, in the Pawnee verse, but Jen, Jennifer Barkley and Ben kind of had a bad cop, good cop thing going, you know, where Jennifer initially said, I was kind of surprised to hear her say like, well, you know, your chances aren't real good. Yeah. And he's like, what the hell? And then Ben comes along and says, but we're great yeah. and we can do it, which Good for Ben. Yeah. And I think Jennifer was actually a little impressed by that. I think she was. Yeah. yeah. I think that shows up a little later as well. Well, Mark, from there, we bounce back to the garage sale and where I think we're between auction lots and the gang gets a chance to try and sell some of their less auction worthy items. Yeah, this is a this is actually a, sh a short scene where we see Donna and Tom dealing with people. Kind of. In Donna's case, someone named Morris is talking with Love her about Morris. how much he didn't like her uh, live tweeting death canoe, especially with, you know, much of what she wrote was profane. And, and spoiler alerts. And, and spoiler alerts. And Donna responds by, in her words, live tweeting this dumbass conversation. <laughs> she is apparently not a fan of Morris. She is not. 
<laughs> Tom tries talking to a guy who appears to be looking at one of his coats and, and the guy clearly likes it, but thinks that the $200 price tag is too much, especially given that A, it's used and B, it was $150 brand new. Tom just added a scorpion to it. I don't think Tom's having a lot of luck at this fundraiser. He's not. Mm. But I, I think he may be onto an interesting idea. I feel like that scorpion added $50 in value personally. Well, does it rock you like a hurricane? It kind of did. All right. Well, then it's justified. You know who I could see wearing that jacket? And maybe I think he kind of had a kimono that looked a little bit like it. Uh, Dwayne Johnson? Jeremy Jam. Oh, same deal. The other guy. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. The other linebacker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah. I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. That would fit in with his idiom. It really would. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he'd buy that if he were here. Well, Mark, at Ron's table, which is literally for sale, mm -hmm. Diane arrives and takes the initiative to move past what we're now going to call Tiara Gate. Mm. At the fundraiser, we're still at the fundraiser, we see Ron sitting alone at his table. And I think he's reading. So his, 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 his view is kind of down. He yeah, doesn't see yeah. Diane Lewis walks up and gently kind of knocks to get his attention. And he, he gets up. And I think he's kind of glad to see her, but expresses surprise at seeing her after the <clears throat> message that she left him. Um, <laughs> Diane apologizes for the way she reacted, which Ron accepts. But Diane is clearly wanting something in return. In her words, you broke my, my daughter's tiara. You ruined their Halloween. Don't you feel a little bit bad about that? And Ron kind of fumbles around for a few seconds trying to come up with something to say. But Diane cuts him off saying, too late. He took too long. Goodbye. Yeah. And she turns around and she walks off. And April tells Ron he's blowing it with Diane. But Ron sticks to his gun saying he's not going to apologize. It wasn't even a real tiara, for God's sake. <laughs> uh he goes, oh, well, relationship over. Too bad. I know. April goes, oh, my God, you're so sad. I am not. <laughs> and he's literally, it's like my blanket over there that has like 14 different Ron faces right, right. for different moods. They're all the They're same. They're all the same face. Yeah, like, you yeah. can't tell. Yeah, you can't tell. The mustache hides everything. It really does. Yeah. I should grow one of those. <laughs> well, following Ron's stupidity du jour, Mark, the auction resumes. And we're now down to a final few items. Maybe. That <laughs> Maybe. Leslie brings up what is uh, apparently the final auction item, a, a one of a kind autograph from Mayor Gunderson's dog, Rufus, which LOL and huh? <laughs> but just then she sees Ben is calling her. So she hands off the auction to Anne. And actually, you know what? Let's have Harvey play this clip. This is like funny. It. OK, this is our final auction item. It's a one of a kind autograph from Mayor Gunderson's dog, Rufus. Yeah, we need some big bids. Oh, excuse me, one second. Um, can you, can you just, okay. Hey. How was the meeting? Kurtz Wilder wants me to run his campaign from Florida. I'm not exactly sure when the job would even start, but it would probably mean putting our plans on hold. Well, I mean, you know, obviously you gotta take it, right? No, I mean, I'm not making any decisions until we talk about this and everything it would mean. Look, I'm flying back to Washington. I'll call you when I get there, okay? Yeah, okay. Love you. Love you too. Poor Leslie. Okay, come on, $60. $65, anybody? Oh, hey, we're up to $60, not bad, right? Yes, and bad. <laughs> you might not care about Jerry's future, but I do, okay? We need to do something very drastic so he can be happy, so we can all be happy. Uh, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Don't know what you're thinking, but I'm definitely not thinking what you're thinking. Good idea, Anne. Okay, we have a new item up for bid, a wonderful surprise item, an evening. 
with sexy nurse Ann Perkins. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. No. Yes. <laughs> Look at her, folks. One evening with the most beautiful woman in the world. Just dinner and dancing, nothing sexual. Unless she's into that, but no, she's not. Nothing fresh, don't even try it. But you never know, right? No. No, she's not into it. Don't try anything, Lord. but give it a shot. Either way, it's for a good cause. Let's raise some money. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think Ann saw that one coming. No, I think she was blindsided. <laughs> Whatever Leslie was thinking, Anne was not thinking it clearly. I know. Yeah. Well, Mark, after a quick break, Leslie's doing her best to get Anne to see the potential upside of being sold at auction and, uh, and you know, help Jerry and maybe by and also get the maybe date a handsome guy or two or, you know, somebody who has a mud pit. I don't you know. You never know. Mark, should we just uh, play this scene as well? Because it's also pretty funny. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's do. Hey, Constantine, hit that next scene for He's us. not here. He's not? No. Oh, he's not here. No, he's not here. Oh. Hey, <laughs> hey Harvey. Sorry, dude. W would you play it? Please, we need to do this for Jerry and his future. This could be great, you know? Three out of four married couples have met each other at spontaneous auctions. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I, well, I don't know. I, $100. Hello. <laughs> All right, what the hell? Okay, we have a one hundred dollar bid for Ann Perkins. Two hundred. Two hundred. Thank you Hello. so much. Two hundred for the smartest, most accomplished woman I know. And check out that bod. Can I get three three hundred dollars? Five hundred. Uh oh. Uh oh. Six hundred dollars. <laughs> Seven hundred. Seven fifty. Nine hundred. Uh oh. Wow, nine hundred from the man with the tank top and the tattoos. That's so great. <laughs> Let's beat that, shall we? Who wants to beat it? Anybody beat it, please? I'm sorry, I'm out. I wouldn't sell her to that guy though. Just. One man's opinion. Okay. <laughs> Sir, what would you do with your $900 date? How would you, uh, um, what, what are you going to do to her? I don't know. My cousin's got a kick-ass mud pit in his yard. She could watch me do belly flops. Then maybe we'd get some Thai food and a tank of nitrous and see what happens. Oh. Oh, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. I am going to bid a million dollars on myself, going once, going never. Sold! Oh, there she goes, off stage. Da -da 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 -da. Uh, that's good. Uh, get a tank of nitrous and see what happens. I can't tell you how many times I've proposed that to people. Never well, never been taken up on it. Weird. You, you apparently either don't know the right people or you don't use nitrous the right way. Apparently not. Yeah. And usually I don't have my tank top on. Dude, you got to clinch it. I know, right? <laughs> you got to sell it. Yeah. Come on. Well, back at the garage sale, and I think over at the Ludgate Dwyer booth now, Andy's raking in the dough, and, and nearby, a great business idea is about to become born. Yeah, at this point, the, the fundraiser is almost over, and we see several members of the gang counting the money they made, some more than, than others. Um Tom glances up and sees a young teenage boy and his mother trying on one of his jackets. And when Tom walks over to talk to them, it becomes obvious this mom is not going to pay $300 damn dollars for something that her teenage son is going to grow out of in a month. Inspiration hits Tom and he offers to rent it to them for $20 a week. The mom jumps at this, saying this is a fantastically great idea and asks what his business is called. Tom mugs straight to the camera and answers, rent a swag. John Raphael needs to be here and go, uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. So finally, uh, John Raphael or not, uh, Chris walks up to Ann Perkins' table and asks her how she did. And he looks over and, you know, she's got the ex-boyfriend boxes, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and he looks over and he sees that the Chris Traeger box is still mostly full and he offers to buy the whole box. Aww. And Ann tells him he didn't have to do that. But Chris tells her, A, it's for a good cause. B, 
in a way it allows him to reclaim his own identity and see it's none of his business, but instead of collecting more ex-boyfriend boxes, maybe she should start an Ann Perkins box. Nice. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's a nice moment. Very wise words from the Traeger. Well, especially when he's kind of not in his best shape himself. Yeah. 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 Well, well said. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, following the fundraiser, Leslie visits Jerry to share the limited success for his cause. And Jerry shares some wisdom with Leslie. Yeah, we see uh, at Ann Perkins Hospital, uh, Leslie is sitting with Jerry in his room and she tells him that they only raised $1,200 and apologizing that she couldn't do more. Jerry stays positive, gives Leslie a warm smile and tells her, Leslie, thank you. That is amazing. Unfortunately, Leslie is clearly in a funk and she tells Jerry, you know, your entire future now is uncertain. Your plans (laughs) may not come to fruition. And just as clearly, Leslie is not just talking about Jerry here. Definitely not. In a typical positive style, Jerry then has a great response to Leslie saying, Leslie, you can't actually plan your future. You know, there's no guarantees in this world. As long as the people I love are part of my life, I will be just fine. He should have left it there. And it really says something about Jerry. Yeah, you know, th- th- I think that was that's good stuff. But given Leslie's mindset. Yeah. I think it was also very important for her to hear that. Yeah. And, and I don't know if Jerry knows what's going on with Leslie, but those were great words for her to hear at this moment. Oh, yeah. I think she yeah. needed to hear that. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Well, and unfortunately, he did not leave it there. He said, hey, you want to stick around and watch some stories with me tonight? Strawberry Jello night. He was way too excited about Strawberry <laughs> Jello night. Oh, my God. Your life is so depressing. No, thank you. <laughs> little punching bag Jerry there to end that great scene. Right. Love it. Yep. Well, over in D.C., Ben proves that Leslie's not the only one feeling bad about the current circumstances and gets a pep talk of his own and a final push from Jennifer Barkley. Yeah. uh, In D.C., the Barkley Group office, we see Ben in his office looking pensive and drinking a beer. And Jennifer knocks on his door, comes in and essentially asks him, why are you do you look so tortured and stuff? And, And Ben tells her he just has a lot to consider. And Jennifer immediately gets that he's talking about Leslie, but then she goes on to tell Ben, A, she believes he's never happier than when he's managing a campaign. At least that's the way it looked to her during Congressman Murray's campaign and also in Florida when they met with the businessman who wanted to run for governor. B, yes, she, Jennifer Barkley, is very, very, very good, but so is he. And there aren't a lot of people that can manage a campaign. Mm. He is one of them. And with that, she encourages him to think about his future and she swipes his beer and drinks it while walking out of his office. (laughs) Nice touch. Yeah. Well, you know, that's high praise coming from her, actually. That's tremendous praise for her to give anybody else that sort of compliment. Other than herself. That's like thunder. It really is. Yeah. 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 And she's pretty whip smart. So usually when she's a little proud about her own activities, she kind of deserves it. And so for her to praise Ben, she really thinks a lot of him, I think. Well, I, yeah, I don't think she's buttering him up or anything. I think nope. you could take that at face value. I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Well, back in Pawnee, Ron takes a stab at clearing things up with Diane and brings a gift for the girls, you know, to make up for the tiaras. Of course. <laughs> We see Ron walking up to the front door of Diane's house and we hear the doorbell ring. Diane answers the door and Ron has apparently brought with him some. Let's call them apology gifts, you know, flowers and chocolates, a classic combo. Classic. Diane accepts the gifts, but tells Ron plain and simple. My kids are non-negotiable, Ron. It's a package deal. 
Ron then has a really sweet scene. He, he says, I know. I'm sorry, Diane. I really am. And he pauses to kind of gather his thoughts. And Diane looks at him with what I would call maybe a hint of admiration. Mm -hmm. And then Ron admits, I've been alone most of my life by choice. And kids, this is all new for me. Mm -hmm. But I'd like to become familiar with it if you give me a chance to prove myself. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. I, I think he found the exact right apology for Diane. Well, yeah. I mean, and and he, the the. I mean, all kidding aside, you know, the 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 Swanson uh, pride ego, maybe like yeah. he was not going to apologize. Yeah, yeah. He he is going to apologize, yeah. and he it, it it humbles him to do that. But you know what? He needed to do that. Well, you know, as a parent, and we're both parents. I mean, your your kids are often and almost always your first thought. And for Diane, that was true. And for Ron, it wasn't. And that's when he had that sat that unfortunate pause. Yeah. And she's like, nope. You know, I, we can't do this. Right. So I, I think now he's saying, you know, I want to I want to get there. Right. So right. Cool. Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And of course, uh, he says he did bring them something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he holds up this little it's about a 12 inch, you know, handsaw and says, I thought I could teach him to saw. And I now realize that seems dangerous. <laughs> right. <laughs> and thank goodness she doesn't scowl at him. She, no. she kind of laughs she, at she that. She thought it was very apropos of Ron. Because I think so. she knows she he's trying. He is trying. Yeah. yeah. And and again, you know, he doesn't know kids yet. Right, so, right. Yeah. He'll figure it out. Right. Yeah. Well, across town and with the circumstances of Ben's opportunity in Florida, Leslie visits the house one last time before breaking the lease, you know, and losing her deposit. Yeah. Thanks, Martha. Freaking Martha. I hate that lady. Yeah. We see Leslie once more uh, with Martha walking through the house that we were at at the beginning of this episode. Where they had the little dance party. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Anne is not with her, but, uh, you know, Martha, the realtor is there for what it's worth. And this is this is a good scene. Hey, Harvey, let's play this one last clip, buddy. Well, my boyfriend might not be moving back for a while, so I have to back out. Just wanted to look at it one more time. You know, I can't give you your deposit back. I know. And there's a $300. All right, Martha. <laughs> I get it. Actually, is there a way I could put down like a... Hey. Hey. I didn't know you were coming back here. Oh. What are you doing? Uh-oh. Oh, my God. Good. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm thinking about my future. Oh. I am deeply ridiculously in love with you and above everything else I just I, I want to be with you forever so Leslie nope wait you? wait <laughs> okay? okay just I need to remember this sure give me a second okay. Leslie no no, no 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 hold on okay. just I need another second please okay. I need to remember every little thing about how perfect my life is right now at this exact moment. Okay. <laughs> Are you good? Yeah. Okay. I'm good. Leslie Nope. Will you? Yes. <laughs> Yay. Marry me? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. 
I'm glad they cleared that up. It, they might not have been talking about the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whenever I, I see news groups or, or anybody commenting on this show, there are people who appreciate the the more heartfelt scenes. And there are some people who are like, you know what? That's not my jam. Yep. I, I like their comedy, but I don't like them to get too sappy. Mm -hmm. And I get and I respect both perspectives. For me, this this sort of thing is one of the reasons why I feel like this show has so much depth. I, I, I like it. That second group of people, Mark, they're wrong. That's why I call them the wrongers. Well, they don't have hearts. No, they're they soulless. They, they deserve to go watch some other show like two and a half minutes. <laughs> again, again. You know it's going to happen. Know. Yes, so. I did. No, I, I think this is one of those scenes where it's like you're not expecting this at, at this point in the episode. Because Jennifer know? just gave Ben a great pep talk oh to say gosh. you are very, very, very yep. talented. Yep. You have an opportunity here. Think about it. Yep. And you don't know what he's going to do. That's what he's going to do. Yep. Yeah. And I don't know exactly when he realized that was what he was going to do. He's obviously prepared for it. Probably has been for some time because he had the ring ready and the, the famous box to present it in, you know. And But um, I, I really feel like, you know, just a few hours before this, he was really kind of on the fence. You know what I think the moment was? What? At the end of Jennifer Barkley's pep talk to him she says think about your future uh, and then she swipes his beer and leaves so he thought about his future and i i like to think that's when things just he first crystallized he in his yeah, head he saw leslie in his future yep yeah, i think you're right yeah i think you're exactly right well mark in the kicker it's about a week later and ron and diane and the girls are going to try to make up for the halloween gone wrong yeah it's it's now november 8th uh <laughs> we're well past halloween However, we see a trick-or-treat mulligan yeah. in progress. We see nice. Ron and Diane and her daughters, and they're all dressed in their Halloween outfits The same again. outfits right, they were in right. on the 31st, yeah. In the middle of the day, or maybe not middle of the day, at least it's, it's still light it's out. It's dusky. It's, it's not as dark as it no, was when no, they went no, trick-or-treating. No. It seems lighter. It's like 5.15. <laughs> and so they're going around and trick-or-treating again. <laughs> they ring a doorbell. A uh, man answers saying, what the hell is this? They tell him <laughs> the girls are making up for their ruined Halloween. The guy is reluctant saying, you know, I'm in the middle of dinner. And, and Ron politely but firmly talks the man into finding something he can put in the pillowcases these adorable girls are holding. And then they'll get out of his hair. <laughs> the guy finally gives in, managing to come up with, I think, calcium chews yeah. and a roll of cookie dough. Hey. Something. I, I wouldn't turn it down. Nope. The girls and Diane say thank you, and then they walk off the guy's porch. Ron also quietly thanks the man, showing his appreciation by giving him some money in return. Very nice. Fade to black. Fade to black. Yep. Excellent. Well, nice breakdown of the episode, Mark. I um, I think we got a few things to talk about when we come back. So let's take a quick break, and we'll come back. We'll talk about those things. We'll score it, and we'll go home. Let's do it, man. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Do you have an upcoming costume party or other such occasion that requires a disguise or alter ego? Is there a need or desire for you to conceal your true identity? Perhaps while engaging in a musical hobby or other semi-private pursuit? If so, the Pawnee Mystery Closet may be the answer to your unspoken question. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. The Pawnee Mystery Closet was founded in 1979 by a Mr. E. Closet. 
mystery club. <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> located in Greater Pawnee, the closet, as I call it, has all of your dress-up needs covered. Some of their more popular costume packages include the slurring scalawag, a detailed pirate costume complete with long flowing hair and dark eyeliner, the T-Pain, sometimes confused for the Mad Hatter, the Cowgirl, a sexy female version of your basic cowboy, the Reggie Miller, an Indianapolis Pacers uniform featuring legendary number 31, the Barbara of Eden, your basic sexy genie costume, the Chucky, costume and makeup to transform yourself or your small human into a lifelike person-sized doll, and finally, the Macklin, your basic unhinged FBI agent who's been pushed too far. Still don't know what to choose or lack imagination? The Closet also has simple outfits and makeup for doctors, construction workers, nurses, and clowns. So if you are ready to step out of your comfort zone, get ready to step into the closet. Er, er, the Pawnee Mystery Closet. Tell them Ron sent you, and get a free bag of spiderwebs with your purchase. Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, uh, you know, real quick, we'll do what we normally do here. We'll talk about deleted scenes. There were not a ton of them, but like you said, sometimes when we get a producer's cut, we don't always get them. So kind of nice. Um, I think they were a little bit throwaway. We just had two major sequences that ran about two minutes and 46 seconds. Uh, as I recall, there was basically Leslie and Ann kind of at the house at the right. beginning. And then a little more of the live tweeting of Donna and uh, Death Canoe 4. It wasn't awful, but those are the right choices, in my opinion, to not include. Mm -hmm. I, I felt like they didn't they didn't pep you as much with action and yeah. ha-has as much as the regular yeah. ones did. Well, and I like to believe they took the best of those extra, you know, on the on the floor scenes and put them back in in the producer's cut. So these would be what le are left on the floor when you take what's on the floor and use it. There, there you go. Right, right. I mean, you need to leave something on the floor. I know, yeah. I know. What's the floor there for? <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah. Well, Mark, how about um, tropes first, fun facts? I, I had a little bit of everything this week. How about you? I have some stuff of some stuff. Um, so let's let, let, let's let's talk, do let's that. talk about the some stuff you have. All right. Incoming. Um, so first I have uh, I this is probably dumb because it didn't happen it again. So it's not really a, it's a first, <laughs> but it's a throwaway first. Ben proposed it to Leslie. Sure. I said it's the first marriage proposal. I genericized it a little bit. Well, is it? This is not the first. Well, it's the first one we like probably really get to participate in. Like, I don't remember I like a big true. proposal I guess that's Andy true. in April. Yeah, you're right. They like, they, let's get married, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I'll buy you. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So um, the other one is Tom comes up with the idea for Renaswag. Oh, very nice. That's um, a great one. I, I, I missed that one. Somehow. I didn't have it. What, what did I miss? The other one I said was it's kind of like the first real major health issue. I mean, all jokes aside, a heart attack's pretty serious, you know. And, and a yeah. heart attack's funny, but a heart attack's pretty serious. So. Right. I mean, but you know what? That's a great point. Before this, 
flu season, maybe? Yeah. And, and uh, well, and Andy and Cass, I mean, we've met Dr. Harris, Cooper Thornton, right, a right, bunch right. of times. So we've obviously had opportunities to go to Ann Perkin Hospital. <laughs> there is the time when Andy Guy had the bunch of dirt dropped on his head, which oh. I think gave him the permanent concussion to turn him into nice Andy. I love it. Yeah. 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 But you're no, you're right. This, yeah. this is by far the most serious health concern. Yeah. 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 How about tropes and uh, goofs and fun facts and all that good stuff? Uh, massive, uh, massive PBJ. Oh, gosh. I mean, you just. You just the the you almost know, as much farting it's it's amazing <laughs> to me that they could take something that i mean like you said a heart attack is is serious stuff and yet i'm like this is absurdly <laughs> couldn't help it almost sacrilegiously funny yeah. for being a heart attack scene but you know they you kind of felt so bad well. for laughing but what are you gonna do right farts are funny and lots of other pbj yeah uh, yeah past yeah. that um and and he turned out it was he was okay so it's okay to laugh fair you enough. know yeah, um, um i know i always rely on it too much as a crutch but i'm gonna say sweet stupid andy because there, it's just hard for him to not be himself I'm going to disagree with you. Well, all right. I I came up with a new one. Oh, okay. That I felt like this was a variant of Sweet Stupid Andy. Okay. And, and we've seen it before. And I wrote, Andy is a child, mm. which is I-A-A-C, which is a hard acronym to say. I'm going to have to come up with a better one. Yeah. Big Kid Andy. There it is. B-K-A. Oh. Yeah. Baka. Baka. Okay. He's, he's like a child. Yeah. When he's playing with with Ivy and uh, Zoe. Zoe. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I, I remember that. Um, you know, in the beginning, he, he's as big a kid as they are. Yeah, he is. Um, That's why he gets along so well with him, I think. There wasn't for me, there wasn't like that kind of dumb, stupid moment for Andy in this one. It was just him being a kid. So I don't know. I saw them a little differently. No, you know what? That that that's a I think that's a valid offshoot. Plus we, that way we don't wear out the other trope. <laughs> and we've had stuff like that with Leslie where we say like over yeah. over the yeah. over the top Leslie, over the line Leslie, but then we have related sub troops. Yeah. I like troops, that. tropes. Tro- yeah, whatever it takes Bob. Yeah, whatever it takes Bob. <laughs> um I had um Ben is a nerd, chicken yeah. parm and watch nice. Blade Runner. That's great. I had a. Uh, Ben mugs to the camera, Ron mugs to the camera, <sighs> Tom mugs to the camera, all at different places. But Donna I, mugs to the camera. Oh, yeah, eyes. that's right. Yes. That's right. With the hug with Chris. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I had one that you often uh, list and I forget. I said crazy Pawneeans. Yeah. But this time at the fundraiser instead of like a town hall or the senior oh, yeah. center. No, that's a good that's a good example. Um, Absolutely. Two hunky guys and then. I don't know. My Mr. cousin Nitrous. has a mud pit. I could do belly flops and blah, 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 oh blah. Um, I said, uh, I think I said uh, Ann Perkin compliments because yeah. like while she's trying to auction Ann off, she's like, you know, look at that body, you know, oh, the most beautiful nurse in the world, Ann Perkins and blah, blah, blah. So it's been a while since we'd heard some of those. That's I like true. that. Um, that's all I had for tropes. How about you? I had two additional ones. Well, technically three. Um, one's almost a fun fact. So uh, Chris worries about dying, which I'm calling CWAD. Like this is the second or third time. Like, remember when he first said he was going to live to 150? And oh, then yeah. He realized he wasn't. Yeah. He he took that badly. And again, yeah. here he's this he's, he's in in his head about this whole aging. And thing. he's trying to deal with it, I think, in a more healthy way. It's better this time. But it's yeah. still there. It's still there. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Seawad. Seawad. Um, Ron is a cheap pirate. <laughs> I mean, this is the <laughs> third time we've seen the same Food and stuff Halloween costume. Right. Yeah. So I love that. And then I've got one called re-gift boxing, mm. which let's talk about that in the fun facts. Okay. All right. Uh, any goofs? 
I had no goose. I had no goose this week as well. So you're a liar. You said you had a little bit of everything. Well, you're right. I, I mostly <laughs> I mostly made that up. So that's your goose. Well, you know what? So I'll, I'll say this. Mm-hmm. Someone pointed out that the Mark Brandanowitz miss was a goof. I, I disagree. I, I disagree think it was too. a purposeful decision. I do too. Yeah, I do too. Unfortunately. Yeah. I think they could have. I, I think it would have been a nice homage to have a little. Like, even if you just seen the corner of it where it said an M. Right. And you knew it. Right. Right. That would I would have enjoyed that personally. But anyway, um, I did. I there are a couple of people pointed out and you may have a couple of these as well. Um, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you kick us off? What did you get for fun facts? Um, I had I had two. Yeah. And and I think it's kind of along the theme that you said about the the, the regifting thing. Yeah. Um, yep. During the the fundraiser series of scenes, um, we saw two items return that we had seen in prior mm-hmm. episodes. One of them was uh, April at one point was seen holding uh, the marshmallow shooter that she and yeah. Andy purchased in the season three episode Jerry's painting. The, the other one I saw was when Anne was going through her uh, ex-boyfriend boxes. When we got to Tom's box, it included a, a pocket watch that said baller, baller time. time that we've yep. seen before. That was the watch that Leslie gave Tom for Christmas in the season four episode, Citizen Nope. Yep. That's all I had. Good catches. Yep. Um, the only additional one, this is one I was referring to, was the re-gifting box. Uh, this is when Ben proposes to Leslie. This is the same wooden box that he actually presented her with her Nope 2012 button mm-hmm. and that she turned around and gave him the figure of the Washington Monument mm. win, lose or draw. Nice. So it's the third time we've seen the box. Very symbolic. Yeah, I, I love like it. it. I love it a lot. So, And uh, again, this was a producer's cut, but no real commentary here. I, that's one thing we have not had in a really long time. Oh, good call. It's commentary on a producer's cut where you know we get to kind of hear the cast talk about the episode. So I've been missing those a little bit. I, I hope we get some before the whole episode series is over. Right. Me too. Yeah. So, well, nice job, Mark. Let's uh, let's get into our score then. All right. Well, I had co-MVPs um, and uh, I'm very proud to announce for the very first time, uh, one of my co-MVPs is Jim O'Hare. Very uh, nice. As Jerry Gergich. And the other I had to give to Amy Poehler as Leslie Nope. Yeah. So my reasoning, um, even though this episode had some huge PBJ moments and arguably showed us Jerry at his most vulnerable I think it also gave Jim O'Hare a very nice platform to show us what a nice, cool, introspective, happy guy Jerry is. And while it's a great physical comedy, my gosh. Yes. And while that aspect of it, the thing I just said, may not be like laugh out loud funny, the the farting absolutely is. Is, But but that may be not laugh out loud funny per se, but it is very endearing. And I think it's a great example Mm. of what gives the show its heart. You know? Um, well said. For Amy Poehler, I, I think, I mean, I, maybe I'm a sap, but but I think Amy Poehler deserves a nomination for her acting chops. And the, the, the way that she reacted, and it doesn't do it justice, I don't think, in the audio clip. Like, you have to see you, the, yeah. the scene. It was pretty visual. There, um, there was quite a bit there where they couldn't, you kind of had to imagine. Great facial expressions, great body language, yeah. just great, the, the, the whole vibe of it. Well, when she's like telling him, wait, I, I've got to get ready for this. I, you, know, you know Leslie, right? Overprepared yeah. Leslie, right? In yeah. a way, she's got to have this moment in her head forever. So she's got to be a little bit in control of it. So. And yet it wasn't like, oh, wacky Leslie no, has to it have really it perfect. It was, it was, this is so incredibly poignant and yeah. sweet that I have to, and she realizes it in her yeah. mind's eye. 
this is this one is of it. the pinnacles mm-hmm. of perfection. I am so insanely happy. I want to take a mental snapshot of this, yeah. you know? Um, and not only that, but she had some some great comedy parts in this show yeah. too. Her auctioning off Anne. And and I also gotta say, I think I think Amy Poehler makes a great Rosie the Riveter. Oh yeah, that, that's one of the. In fact, my my Funko Pop here behind me. There, yeah, Rosie the Riveter, Leslie. Oh, nice, yeah. nice, nice, nice. Yep. Um, I thought overall there were some really great moments in this one with with sage words of advice and or sweet moments coming from. Let's count them: Ron showing vulnerability by apologizing to Diane and admitting he was wrong; Jerry letting Leslie in on the secret behind his positive outlook on life at a moment when she really needed to hear it. Chris giving in some unsolicited, but really good advice to focus on herself instead of her relationships. Leslie and Ben, one of the sweetest proposal scenes ever. Jennifer Barkley acknowledging that our boy Ben has got some serious political chops. And as we said, Alan, coming from her, that's really saying something. All of these people had scenes that in an, in another context could have been the one scene that we talked about mm. or remembered from this episode. This one had all of those. Yeah. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah. I love that Ron has one Halloween costume. I said it. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care who talks it. Damn it. Also, we continue to prove the equation. Ron plus little girls equal comedy oh gold. <laughs> um, you know, something occurred to me when. You know, the, the proposal scene. Yeah. So so Ben gets down on one knee. He proposes to Leslie and everything. Yeah. And I was kind of in my mind's eye comparing this moment with the Jim Pam mm. uh, moment mm-hmm. in the office. Yeah. And it, it seems like this is just my opinion, but it seems like with Jim and Pam, like they are working in an environment, an office full of weirdos. Yeah. I mean, that's just the nature of the office. Right. Yeah. And it often seems like Jim and Pam are kind of they're the normal ones. They're the only normal ones in the bunch. Definitely. Kind of. And and they they found each other. Yeah. So, OK, that that I guess that makes sense. They're the two normal people and they found each other here, though. I don't think that's true. I, I think Leslie and Ben are just as weird and wacky <laughs> and nuts as any of the others. And I like that. I yeah. think that that's refreshing. They're each crazy, but they're the right type and amount of crazy for each other. Like they fit. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, I don't really have any nitpicks except Alan. Yet another Halloween episode. I miss Pekitis. That's <laughs> <laughs> not really a nitpick, but I just want to say that out loud. I have to say, I actually, I didn't rewatch the whole episode. I did rewatch the conclusion of the Pekitis Halloween episode where they play back. How he ha- did it. How he did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's just such a great, like, kind of reveal moment. Yeah. And you don't always get those. It's, it's one of the wreck Ocean Eleven. It is Ocean Eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very nice. Um. I like to think that Pekitis was the mad pooper, but he's the pooper. But, but, I love it. <laughs> we can't prove it. Anyway, okay. So on to the crazy Mark rubric. Dun dun dun. Um, the 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 you know you and I agreed there were kind of sort of kind of sort of four stories, I guess. And one of them was, I mean, not huge, but it was okay. That that like the Chris slash scary movie night, you know, story. Uh, it was it was fine. The reason I'm singling that out is not because it was bad, but because it wasn't quite the caliber of the other three, which I thought all of the other three were great. I would agree with that. I was tempted to give this a five. I probably should have. I'm going to give this a 4.5 base score. Really strong. I, I could have gone to a five, but mm-hmm. I gave it a 4.5. Um, 
half a point for a good performance by episode co-MVP Jim O'Hare. Jerry Gergich. Yeah, I am going to give a half a point for a good performance by uh, Amy Poehler, the other co-MVP. She's bringing the heart as well as the laughs. I'm going to give half a point for what I call the fundraiser combo, giving several members of the gang, Tom and Donna and Anne, a few moments to briefly showcase their skills and give the audience a little bit more background about them. Mm. Plus, great attention to detail with the marshmallow shooter and the baller time pocket watch and just little details. It's really good. I'm going to give another half point for what I have called in the past, and I'm going to do it again. I'm going to call it the bookend combo. Great cold open with Ron getting bum rushed in his office, plus a great kicker. Ron redeeming himself by giving Diane's daughters a trick-or-treating mulligan. (laughs) Um, I'm going to give half a point for giving Ben moments to shine, not only for proposing to Leslie, but also for showing his savvy in D.C. Mm -hmm. and in Florida and having powerhouse Jennifer Barkley admit to his face how good he actually is at his job. I'm going to give half a point for the whole auctioning off and scene. It's just for too many reasons to list. Just <laughs> great stuff. I'm going to give half a point for the whole fart attack scene, which I, again, I had to pause repeatedly to try and stop laughing. I'm, what can I say? I'm eight years old. Um, I'm going to give half a point for what I thought was a nice resolution and redemption moment for Ron in the trick or treating storyline. I'm going to give half a point for a great resolution to the fart attack storyline with Jerry acting as sort of a spiritual Sherpa for Leslie as she struggled to deal with the Mm. scary uncertainty of her own future. And I'm going to give one more half point for what I thought was a great resolution to the uh, future of Bensley storyline with one of the most memorable and sweetest proposals I've ever seen on TV. Now, so that's my final score for the normal 21 minute version. Because, uh, again, we, we we should say, Alan, you know, the, yeah, the, we, we do five the, minutes. Difference. That's right. So we, we're up to nine point five little Sebastians. Uh-oh. So so a couple of things there. This was one of the rare episodes that was funny enough and it was touching enough and just good enough. I ha- I had to stop and ask myself, is this a 10? Well, it's also complicated by the fact that, you know, Alan, you can attest to this here at LFP Worldwide Headquarters. When we do our official reviews for episodes like this, we always choose to review whatever is the longest. And in this case, it's the uh, producer's cut uh, as opposed to the normal 21 minute episode that was originally aired. And I watch both of them. So I appreciate the differences in in both of them. I noted them. Um, I think they made the right choices as far as the scenes that they decided to cut to make the normal episode i'd agree i thought that those decisions were good having said that i also think the extra four and a half five minutes of extra scenes and contents from the producer's cut it added a little eh, it added a little extra something did it add a half point so that begs the question (laughs) is the score for the producer's cut any difference Stay tuned to find out. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Not dot, dot, dot. We're, we're here. We're, here. we're okay. not coming so, back. No, dot, dot, dot. So right now. I'm going to be transparent here. I, I couldn't I couldn't quite give this a 10. Okay. If, we, if we did quarter points. Oh, I, easy. I, I'd probably give producers cuts a 9.75. Yeah. But we do not. Repeat, not. You do quarter points. My parking space was taken. Did you see that when I got here? I did. At the yes. LFP Worldwide headquarters? That, that was just a fluke today. And I had I, to come I, into the office. Punished. And I had to come into the office through a different door. It was bizarre. That was anyway, weird. So anyway... <laughs> I, I wanted to give it a higher score, but I ultimately can't. So my so Mark's official score, yep. 9.5 Little Sebastians for both the normal 21 nope. minute version okay. and the producer's cut. Although, truthfully, I think the producer's cut, I think was just a teeny bit yeah. better than the normal version. So anyway, that's my review. Back to you, Alan. Very nice job, Mark. I feel like often we're 
of the same mind on a lot of this. And I, I feel like just, you know, I'll, I'll kind of come at it backwards. Maybe I also kind of felt like the producer's cut added enough that I felt better about it than I did the standard edition. But again, in a world where we had quarter points, mm-hmm. this would have been an easy math problem, mm-hmm. right? Boom, mm-hmm. just give it to it right there. Yep, yep. But I also did not feel like this was a perfect 10, even with it. Um, so I landed at nine and a half little Sebastians for the producer's cut. And I think if I had scored the standard cut, like given it its own score, I would have had to round it down to a nine and a half or a nine. I would have had to have rounded down to a nine just so I could have show the difference between the two. You know what I mean? Well, that was my struggle, but I ended up just not wanting to give the normal aired version short shrift. But I get what you're a saying. A nine's a heck of a good score, though. Yeah, but but this is better. It is better. I, I won't disagree. With you. I think this this is a standout episode. It it rivals a lot of the three the season three episodes where we were given out the nine and a half. Ella, let me ask you this: yeah. when, when you got done viewing this and you thought, "Oh, holy hell, I got to give this a score," yeah, did you have to ask yourself, yeah. "Is this was it good enough that it made you ask the question?" It did me. Absolutely. Yes. And, and, you know, it's hard to make the perfect episode. I know. And I had to think about what some of the things were that were, um, that would have made it the perfect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, What were the detractors? Let me see what the additions were. Things I really liked first. Yeah. Um, So I thought this is a great bench use. Probably one of the best uses of the overall bench we've seen in terms of at least, I, I know some people, here's the problem, right? You only have so much time, even in a producer's cut. Yeah. And to give Donna and Jerry a lot more time, which we did get in the producer's cut, somebody else is going to get less time. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to have a 44-minute episode That's right, true. to balance it out. I feel like because of the storylines involved, the pairing of Donna and Chris, which I really liked here and Donna enjoyed as well, uh-huh. um, I thought that was a really nice touch. And it was really nice to get to see some extra Donna. Yeah. Really, you know, and she loves, you know, Death Canoe 4 and who doesn't? Of course. Um and then the same thing on the Jerry side, you already kind of said it. I mean, it's what a great platform for Jim O'Hare in this episode. Yeah. Um, we will, if we ever get to talk to Jim, we will have to come back to this episode and talk about fart attack. Oh, yeah. There's no way we don't talk about that. It, it was just so funny. Well, you know, Alan, I was actually thinking too, um, the uh, the season two episode Park Safety. Yes. Which is where he, great he claimed he got mugged and he yep. did. He just fell down the he creek because he looked yeah. after his burrito. Um, <laughs> I happens to the best of us. I, I don't think at that point in our podcast, we were we were doing MVPs. We were not. If we were, I might have given it to Jim O'Hare in that one, but I don't think we had kind of adopted that pattern yet. I, I think that's fair. And that's a season two episode, right? I don't so, think we start doing MVPs till maybe the end of season two, yeah. like the very end. I think you're right. Yeah. Well, and two, remember in season two, I don't think that, that Jim O'Hare and Retta were official cast members, mm. cast cast members until season the beginning of season three. Oh, you may be right. So at that yeah. point, J- Jim O'Hare was just a guest star. I see. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, and to have that much focus on him, I think they probably already knew at that point they were going to keep him. Yeah. And have oh, him yeah. Be main cast. I mean, these, the how, I mean, how do you pick background actors as good as 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 Reddit and Jim O'Hare, and then ever not, you know, capitalize on that? Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. yeah. You have to build on those characters. Yep, I agree. Um, so I enjoyed the extra Donna and Jerry time a lot here. I like the cross team support 
everybody supporting everybody in the right ways and at the right moments and and really just kind of everybody lifting everybody else up. You don't always get that. Um, usually it's balanced with Tom or somebody knocking somebody down a little bit right. or punching back Jerry, maybe being just a little too mean um, you know, at times. You know, a lot of people out there yeah. don't like the punching back Jerry stuff. They think they're, they're too mean to Jim O'Hare. Because Jerry's awesome and he doesn't deserve it, which I agree with, but that's, that's also a little bit of the joke. It, it is the joke, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and Jim O'Hare's in on the joke. And and <laughs> and actually, so is Jerry, yeah. right? That's the, that's why I like it. And I think it's redeeming at the end of the day. He just doesn't care. He gets it. Like, he, he's going to go retire and live with Gail. I mean, You live cares? a good life. That's the best revenge. That's right. Yeah. He's exactly right. Yeah. Yep. I also saw a little bit of character growth here, I think, um, for Ann and Chris. You know what I mean? Like, they're in these journeys where they're trying to get through their stuff, you know, mm -hmm. and, and they're, it's interesting that they chose to have them in parallel in this episode. Um, cause the little bird you told me what might happen down the road a little bit. Mm. It's just interesting to see as Ben and Leslie come to this junction in their relationship, Chris and Ann now seem to maybe be creating the opportunity for them to find their own junction. And it started here a little bit. And you know, restarted what? here anyway. I, I think that you're right. I mean, if if the characters of Ann and Chris can get to, let's call it the best version of themselves. Yeah. Then the door opens up for other possible. Yeah. Relationships or whatever. Yeah. yeah. For both of them. And we're, we're right. going to see a little bit of that here coming up with <laughs> with, uh, with some interesting Ann episodes. So mm -hmm. those will be fun. Yep. But, um, and then I, I wrote down, I, I liked funny Tom again. You know, I, I like it when Tom isn't that Tom. We talk about that a lot. Um, he, he, you know, or when he is, it's in small, funny doses. Yeah. You know, where he, you just don't want to punch him. Right. That, that works against it, you know, and that's where I think, Maybe a few of those moments and a few other missing moments here is why it's not a 10. Right. Um, but gosh, it was darn close. Right. It really was. I agree. It really was. This was a great episode overall. Yeah. I think this was probably my favorite season five episode to yeah. date so far. I would totally agree with that. Yeah. Yep. All right, Mark. Well, I think that puts a bow on it for today. Yeah. Um, we'll be back next week or the week after. We're not quite sure yet. We're trying to figure that out with yep. a little bit of scheduling going on behind the scenes. Uh, but we'll be back with season five, episode six, Ben's Parents. Ben's Parents. Shortly. Yeah. And uh, I remember that episode fondly. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening today. And thanks for joining us. And we'll see you next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us.